Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. All right, here we go. Here we go. No time to lollygag today. We got way too much to get to. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming supertalk.fm. You know that by now. You also know the best way for you to get in touch with us to be part of the conversation is on the Ceasefire text line. 601-879-4395. Ceasefire customer inspired. Speaking of Ceasefire. Jim Richmond is going to join us in the middle of the 4 o'clock hour. There was an announcement today that came via Twitter from C Spire about a new, uh, we'll call him a brand ambassador. Now part of the C Spire team, it is a name that you are going to recognize. We'll learn all about that a little bit later. Luke Johnson joins us in half an hour. We're going to talk Southern Miss as they get set for the season opener on Thursday night. Guess where we're going to be on Thursday? Guess where we're going to be on Thursday, boys? We're going to be in the Berg, down in the heart of the Pine Belt in Hattiesburg. More details to come on that. Thank you to Will East, our program director, to Michael Borky, who really pushed the idea. We talked about it some on the air. And to the crew in Hattiesburg at Super Talk Hattiesburg and Super Talk Laurel. They're led by Bob Getty. Uh, I've got a great sales team that works down there, and they have been able to uh, pave the way for us to be on campus at a to-be-announced location. That's, as I understand it right now, going to be in Hattiesburg, Southern Miss, South Alabama, Thursday night, first college football game in the state of Mississippi. How's that, boys? How's that? That is good news. Mm-hmm. Can, can you do the impression, or do I need to? Just... Welcome to the Rock. Can't wait. All right. Let's jump right in. We got some TV announcements today. We got some oh, television th- announcements today. I thought we were going to go somewhere else to start. Okay, let's go there. Oh, uh, you you thought we were going El Presidente <laughs> right out of the gate? <laughs> I thought we were just going to like the Big Ten and the no, we're going to do that in a bit. Horrible, very bad day. But we're going to do that in a bit. Right now, we are going to be a little more local. Because I got good news for you on multiple fronts. I'm not saying Mississippi State's going to Baton Rouge to win. I'm not saying that Ole Miss is beating Florida in the opener. But I am saying that there are some factors at play that if you are a student of history, if you believe in superstition, if you think maybe some breaks are going in the right direction, maybe there's a little more reason to be optimistic than you would have been just a few days ago. Let's start with Mississippi State and LSU. We talked about it ad nauseum yesterday. LSU has two returning starters on the offensive side of the ball. Austin Deculus on the offensive line and Terrace Marshall, a wide receiver. They now have only four starters returning on the, or I'm sorry, five starters returning on defense, but another opt out yesterday. So that 
would give you reason to believe probably an easier task than it was a season ago in Starkville. That's number one. Number two, and, and this is rehashing stuff, number two, Joe Brady's gone. Co-offensive coordinator, passing game coordinator. The, the power the, behind the throne. The, the, the symbiosis between Joe Brady and Joe Burrow last year was remarkable. By the time the season ended, those guys knew exactly what each other was thinking. And I don't want to diminish the role of Steve Ensminger because I think he was kind of the glue that held it all together. And I think, I don't know this for a fact, but I think because of the level of trust that existed between Ensminger and Ogeron, he was the bridge that allowed LSU to play the way they did and be effective as they were on offense. I don't think he was dialing up all the ball plays. But I think he was the guy that was able to, to say to Ed, because of their long-standing relationship and the trust that Ed had in Steve Ensminger, I think he was the guy that was able to say, I know you want to run it here. we got to trust what we're doing. We've committed to it. Let's trust it. And then I think those conversations became less frequent as the season went along because it worked, and it worked so magnificently well. So that's number two. And number three, kickoff on September 26th is at 2.30 Central in the afternoon. The game will be played under sunshine, not under the lights at Tiger Stadium. A Tiger Stadium that will be filled only 25%, maybe 20% to capacity. So 25,000 instead of 100,000. There are some factors here that are in Mississippi State's favor, Brian Haydad. So you're saying there's a chance. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. What you you might be saying is if you can still get the 18 points, get them. What I don't know. Yeah. Is if Mississippi State defensively, yes, could stop Luke Altmeyer and Starkville High School. Well, that's a bit much, but well, no, but I mean, obviously, there, there, I'm being hyperbolic when I say there. that. But you get what I'm saying. I don't know that. There, there are a lot of questions there. Yeah, it, right now you couldn't draw up a better scenario for State. They pick. They got LSU at the exact best time to get them. LSU down to 70 players on the roster. Uh, like you said, daytime game, not a big crowd. Everybody's going to, I mean, both sides have new coordinators on offense and defense. You couldn't draw up a better scenario uh, for Mississippi State to go down there. And get, if State was, if State had Willie Gay, I might predict State to win this game. But you're right, defensively, the question marks are still there. Uh, but it's, it's going to be a lot closer than I thought it was going to be in March. I'll put it that way. All right. Ole Miss plays Florida. We know that Florida has a more talented roster. What could you possibly be pointing to, Richard, to say that maybe there's some things that go, well, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. First of all, reportedly, Matt Corral through two scrimmages has been really good. Really good throwing the football. And the question of who's he going to throw it to outside of Elijah Moore sounds like it may be getting answered. There are some accounts that say Jonathan Mingo has been really, really good. And Dennis Jackson has been really, really good. So it gives you some options in throwing the football. The reports are that Henry Parrish has been the best running back, period, 
and the combination of he and Jerry and Ely with Snoop Connor as a, maybe a third option is spectacular in terms of depth in the backfield. But I'm going to go back to the game time thing. Ole Miss and Florida are playing each other at 11 a.m. Now, nobody really wakes up and says, man, I hope my team plays at 11, outside of a few media members. But in the Tim Tebow is crying game, you know what time they kicked it off? 11 a.m. That was 11 a.m. in the swamp. In 2000, what was it, 2002 and 2003, when Ole Miss played, uh, Ole Miss and Florida played each other in back to back years? That's in 2002 right. in Oxford, David Cutcliffe's Rebels beat Ron Zook's Gators 17 to 14. It was an early kick, an 11 a.m. kick. In 2003 in Gainesville, David Cutcliffe's Rebels beat Ron Zook's Florida Gators 20 to 17. Close game, early kick. Now, the most recent meeting between Ole Miss and Florida happened in 2015. Maybe the best team that Ole Miss has ever taken to the Swamp. Although that team in 08 was playing, beginning to play at a high level with Jevin Sneed and some of those guys on offense and defense. But in 2015, Ole Miss took a top-five ranked team nationally into the Swamp for a night game, and Florida curb-stomped Ole Miss. And then the only thing that got hit harder than the... The only thing that got hit harder than the Rebels on the field that night was me on the sideline. I've heard that story. I've never seen it. I need to find that clip somehow. Red shears up, man. It's it's floating around somewhere. I had some sweet red suede Nike tennis shoes that were on display for all the world to see. I mean, quite literally, heels overhead. That did not go well for the Rebels in a night game in the Swamp. This one's kicking off at 11. And two weeks later is when Will Greer got caught juicing, right? Uh, I believe uh, that is it accurate. It was shortly thereafter. If you had to guess, I'm sure you've looked at it so you know, but just you listening out there, the record, overall record matchup-wise between Ole Miss and Florida, what would you think it would be? That's uh, probably pretty close. Florida wasn't great until Spurrier showed up. And obviously Ole Miss was great in the 50s and 60s. 12-11 to 11 in favor yeah. of Ole Miss. Not surprised by that. Yep. All right, hey, Dad, I'm texting you the clip. Oh, you got it? Oh, I can't wait. I have it. I'll send it to you too, Borky, in case you hadn't seen it in a while. Oh, I've seen it a lot. But you want to see it? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I've also seen listeners take pictures reenacting that on the side yeah, of the road. Yeah, that was beautiful. And... That was beautiful. So, yeah, 12-11 to 11 with one tie in the all-time series. Old Miss leading it over the Florida Gators. Having fun just getting started with you. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Good to be with you on this Tuesday afternoon, the 1st of September. Not only is this game week, it is game month. Hey, Dad, did you watch it? I did. That is the second funniest video I've ever seen with an Ole Miss uh, reporter getting knocked over on the sidelines. Should I ask what the first is? Uh, There's one of Yancey Porter just getting trucked in a practice. That is, <laughs> makes me laugh every time I watch it. No offense practice. to Practice? Yeah. Oh, practice? 
He just wasn't paying attention. A receiver just smacked him. Yeah, the issue is I saw it coming and kind of yes. took a couple of steps into a backpedal, but uh, Jordan Wilkins' closing speed was elite. Well, greater than yours. What and his, uh, you know, consider that. Look, I mean, it's not my most athletic moment, not my most agile <laughs> moment of all time. But the fact that I was going backwards and then got a pretty good shoulder bump from him sit me. The only thing that's an issue there is how close I was to cracking my head on that billboard that was attached to the concrete side of the stadium. Yeah, that would have been bad. With the big metal edges. Yeah, that yeah. would that would have been no bueno. Could have that was fun. Been the per- hey, proverbial you, crimson mask. Yeah, you, you guys are better than I am. I, I tried to pop it on Twitter, but it loaded like as a, I don't know. You can put it on Twitter. You want I'll to from the out. Sports Talk Mississippi feed. I'll put it on YouTube and then put it on Twitter. So it's it's there for, for perpetuity. Oh. Okay. Whatever. I wish it had sound as well. Although I don't think the uh, I don't think the announcers reference me getting trucked on the sideline. <laughs> who down go who is that? Oh wow. Who is that guy? My gosh. Gotta get out of the way. Head on a swivel. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad with you on this Tuesday afternoon. Want double the data for the same dang price? Prepaid by C Spire plans get double the high-speed data through the end of the year. No bull. Just better wireless. Learn more at cspire.com slash prepaid. C Spire text line open for you. 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Borky, I know you've got this scheduled as the college football fix. We will circle back to it then. But... I don't know. I'm fascinated by the story here. And I don't think this was just out of the goodness of his heart. Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren had a telephone call today with the President of the United States, Donald Trump, after a White House representative reached out about having discussions concerning how the conference can return to playing college football as soon as possible. Trump was talking to reporters in Maryland at Joint Base Andrews and said the call with Kevin Warren was very productive. The president was quoted as saying this, I think it was a very productive, uh, it was very productive about getting the Big Ten playing again, and immediately. Let's see what happens. He's a great guy. It's a great conference. Tremendous teams are pushing very hard. I think they want to play, and the fans want to see it, and the players have a lot at stake, possibly playing in the NFL. You have a lot of great players in that conference. We had a very good conversation. I don't know how to make the phone stop ringing. Sorry. Uh, sorry, we're kind of doing a radio Mr. show. Mr. President. Mr. President? About him? Richard. Uh, I think this is one state deal. he doesn't have to worry about winning. But that, yeah. you know. Sorry. I just hung up on whoever it was trying to call us. Uh, president, wow. President said we had a very good conversation, very productive, and maybe we'll be very nicely surprised. They had it closed up. And I think they'd like to see it open, along with a lot of other football that's being played right now. In a tweet, shocking, Trump indicated the Big Ten's plans to return were at the, quote, one-yard line, close quote. There's two of those, you know. <laughs> they got one to go or 99 to go? That's the, that's the great question. Which one-yard line, Mr. President? Um, a Big Ten official said there's still a lot of work to do, emphasizing that the league's presidents and chancellors would have to approve any plans. The return to competition task force in the Big Ten is still trying to put together a plan to present the presidents and chancellors. Earliest potential start date appears to still be November or early January. 
A Big Ten source told ESPN, nothing has changed. Nothing. Yeah. We have to get all the medical questions answered before we can even bring back a plan to the president for approval. I was thinking about something earlier today. It just popped into my head. The, the Big Ten plan talking about using indoor stadiums, right? What indoor mm-hmm. stadiums? NFL the ones. Two, yeah, but what NFL stadiums are in the north? Minneapolis. Ford Field. They, they Minneapolis? talked about Minneapolis, Detroit, St. Louis, Indianapolis. What? And what stadium? What stadium is indoors in Minneapolis? The Metrodome is closed. It's, it's not knocked down, isn't it? Um, U.S. Bank stadium. stadium? Yeah, is that a indoor Vikings stadium? Where they, yeah, yeah, where they had the Super Bowl two years ago. Okay, the big glass, I mean, I thought, beautiful structure. I thought they had a uh, an outdoor stadium. University uh, of Minnesota okay. does. Okay, so you've got three: Ford Field, <clears throat> that one, and Lucas Oil. St. Louis. Talking about St. Louis. Oh, very Midwest of them. I w- and I Syracuse. If Governor Missouri shouldn't Syracuse, Syracuse shouldn't let them use it either. You're like, I oh, you should play in the fall. <laughs> no, none of it's made sense. And, and Pete Thamel wrote a column this morning or earlier today that said, now the decision is political. Like, now? Like, there's something up here. I, that's what uh, people have failed to write or talk about adequately is that there is clearly something wrong internally with the way they made their decision. That is why they're going about defending themselves in a lawsuit the way they are. Borky, there, there's, a, there's a paragraph in this story in which I stopped dead in my tracks reading and said the presidents and chancellors, if indeed this is how they feel, have got to be the stupidest bunch of smart guys I've ever heard of in my life. I'm using guys collectively, men and women, because I don't know who's what in terms of the 14 Big Ten schools. Listen to this. Conference source told ESPN no formal plan to return has been presented yet to the university presidents and chancellors. While Big Ten athletic directors and coaches would like to play as soon as possible, the source said university presidents need to be assured that the league can mitigate their concerns about the unknown. The unknown impact of COVID-19 on myocarditis, and there needs to be a conference-wide testing protocol that assures equal accessibility and viability at each campus. Well, the testing protocol is going to be there. We've got all these tests that are rolling into the market. It's going to be okay. And the turnaround time on, on these rapid response tests, I mean, I, I took one three weeks ago, 15 minutes. 15-minute turnaround time. Negative. Go on about your business. I took it purely as a precautionary deal because I was going to be around some people who were older than I was, and I didn't want to potentially expose them. So I went and did the test, 15-minute turnaround, boom, I'm good. Easy. Easy. But the thing that made me say stupidest smart guys on the planet is that sentence. They want to be assured that the league can mitigate, lessen, reduce, eliminate, their concerns about the unknown. Well, unless Marty McFly can get us <laughs> a reverse-engineered back-to-the-future machine, we're not going to be able to assuage or mitigate your fears about the unknown because guess what? It's unknown, you morons. That's showing at the start of a theater, too. I mean, what else in life? do we need to mitigate that is currently unknown? The Powerball numbers? 
That would be like great. That would, would be very that would be very self-serving. I would like to mitigate the death rate in traffic accidents by having someone give us the unknown information of when you're going to get in an accident. We could eliminate traffic accidents altogether. That would help a lot. It would be spectacular. Just wouldn't drive that day. I would like to um, have information to mitigate my concerns about my retirement fund and whether or not I'm in the right stocks, the right mix of risk and reward. I would like to be assured that someone can mitigate my concerns about the unknown of whether or not my kids are going to be safe when they go to sleep every night. I'm about to say, I think they are, but there like is, my there's an unknown future's there. future's husbands are going to be like. Could I, could I get that information? Yes, yes. That would, that would be useful. But does that sentence not boggle your mind? We need some clear information to mitigate the unknown of all the potential bad that could happen based on something that we still don't know a whole lot about in the first place. And one of those presidents is the president of Michigan after he casted his vote to cancel the season. Two weeks later, welcomed with open arms 45,000 18 to 20-year-olds that don't have any reason to protect themselves and did so confidently. Yeah, but they had I said money. a second ago that there was a dual purpose in what happened today. Let's be real. Donald Trump probably doesn't care just a whole heck of a lot as to whether or not the Big Ten actually plays football or not, but you know what he does care about? He cares about voters in Wisconsin and Michigan and Ohio yeah. and Pennsylvania, four massive swing states in November. No, no, notice he didn't talk about the Pac-12 starting back up. Nope. Not worried about California and Oregon and Washington, Colorado and Arizona. Talk Mississippi with you. Time to go to the Farm Bureau phone line for the first time on this Tuesday afternoon. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Luke Johnson, co-host of the Super Talk Eagle Hour on Super Talk Hattiesburg and Super Talk Laurel, and of course available as a podcast and on demand at supertalk.fm, joins the conversation right now. Mr. Johnson, two days and change from game day in Hattiesburg. I'm excited. I'm really excited. Um, happy to you report sure? Scott Barry. Scott Barry has you a Southern Miss hat, seven and three eighths. It's done. Just got Beautiful. the confirmation. Beautiful. I was uh, I was texting with Coach early this morning and said, "Hey, finally got the official word. Going to be in Hattiesburg on Thursday." Would love to come by and see you, and so I'm going to uh, I'm going to get to uh, visit with him on Thursday. Hopefully, that's the plan. Borky told me he's got an old football picture of me um, on, on the uh, TV uh, feed, and mm-hmm. I apologize for that. Uh, I ate a lot of, at the bowl week bowl game that week. Um, little known fa- fact about me, guys. Uh, I don't know if you know this. I, I'm the only defensive player in the history of college football to receive an offensive MVP trophy for a bowl game. Mm, congratulations. Yeah. 2003 Liberty Bowl MVP offensive for Southern Miss against Alex Smith and 
Urban Meyer. It'll never happen again, I guarantee you. All right, so so tell me a little bit more about that. What 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 allowed you to get the MVP trophy? Well, it was because uh, the head coach of Utah now was their defensive coordinator. Dan Mullen was the offensive coordinator. Urban Meyer was the head coach, and it was a defensive slugfest. It was three nothing for a long time. Uh, then it was ten nothing, and they scored one late, like with a minute left, and we lost seventeen to nothing. Offense couldn't do anything that day. I punted eight times, and I think Rick Cleveland um, said something like this. He said, how bad was the Southern Miss offense that day? The media sarcastically voted punter Luke Johnson as the offensive MVP. (laughs) Did you get an actual trophy? It's like bigger than the Mississippi high school football trophies. It's like a big golden football on a wooden platform. Um, who knows? We may we may bring it out Thursday. We usually do that on Eagle Hour remote sometimes. That's uh, that's pretty good stuff. Uh, that's pretty good stuff. What's the uh, what's the buzz for the game? We're a couple of days away now. It's Tuesday. We got football on Thursday night. Yeah, the buzz. Uh, people are excited. Um, you know, uh, you can't get in unless you're a season ticket holder. Um, there'll be a thousand student tickets allotment. Have some type of band there. South Alabama, I think we, we heard today, somewhere in the 400 ticket neighborhood. So, uh, you know, just excited. It's on television. Carter Blackburn, Aaron Taylor doing it on uh, CBS Sports Network. So, yeah, there's, there's finally a buzz. I, I think a lot of people, it won't hit them until Thursday morning. You wake up and you say, oh, there's a college football game. And I don't think it'll hit people until they're actually walking up to the rock. Um, so the fact that you're really starting three weeks before, you know, the Power Five schools. I think it's a, a, a big deal. I think it'll, it'll be a lot of people. Jack Duggan told us uh, today Sports Illustrated is going to be there. The Atlantic's going to be there. So I think a lot of the eyes of the nation uh, will be that. And I think some of the Southern Miss fans don't realize that at this moment, how big this game is, not just for not just for Mississippi. It's huge for Mississippi, but it's, it's huge for the country because being the first FBS versus FBS uh, game there is in 2020. Luke, I just want to let you know that Carter Blackburn and Aaron Taylor called the Ole Miss-Arkansas 4th and 25 game. They also called the Mississippi State-Louisiana Tech 3rd and 97 game. So something crazy is guaranteed to happen at the Rock on Thursday. I'm glad. I, I'm, we're, we're hoping to get one of those guys, hoping to get Aaron Taylor on the Eagle Hour uh, Thursday because he blocked for Brett Farr for a few years. Yeah, and uh, Yeah, I need to ask him about this couple episodes. That's wild. Carter is a great guy, too. He, he's really good at what he does and just an all-around good dude. So uh, really good broadcasting pair for uh, for that game to open the season. In terms of the matchup, like, like on the field, is Southern Miss healthy? I know Coach doesn't really talk about injuries all that much. Are they mostly COVID-free? Just in terms of what we're going to see on the field, what do you know? Yeah, as far as everything, you know, they, they do keep stuff close to the chest, but the depth chart that was released, you know, last week, uh, in the game notes, which was released late, late last week, there was really nobody missing from whom you thought the starters would be. A couple different names on, on defense. Um, when you look at the, the secondary, there's only, other than Kyle Hemby, only one of the five guys in the secondary. They have a, a four have two combined starts. So three guys. I've never played before uh, at Southern Miss, uh, some JUCO guys coming in there. And that's really where I, I think uh, Southern Miss, I think today's 15-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, South Alabama, 
wasn't very good last year on either side of the ball. They they averaged 18 points a game. They gave up 30 points a game. Uh, and the the one way they can exploit, I think, the nasty bunch. Uh, Eagle defense was great on the ground last year. Um, the one bad game they had against Mississippi State, I think, uh, it was the only game they gave up over 200 yards. Alabama um, to less than what their average was. Um, is in the secondary. Southern Miss gave up close to 240 yards a game. And South Alabama has a guy, quarterback named Desmond Trotter. Uh, some of the closer games that they played in last year, he was, uh, in the, he was the impact player through four touchdowns, I think, against Arkansas State in, in the season finale. And they got a couple of guys on the outside, Quan Baker and Jalen Talbert. And, uh, so expect to see, you know, some, some attack, some vertical attack. Southern Miss will be starting to get the boundary corner named Cameron Harrell his first game as an Eagle. He actually played at Iowa for two years and then played last year in JUCO and, and transferred to Southern Miss. So I, I, I feel like South Alabama um, is going to attack vertically. Uh, on offense, uh, just expect to see the ball passed around to a, a whole lot of people and, uh, and look to Jack Abraham really to step up and, and try to be extremely efficient as he usually is. Last year, Southern Miss, 434 rushing attempts, 438 passing attempts. I mean, that's about as close to down the middle 50-50 as you're going to get. Do you anticipate a comparable distribution of run pass this year? Do you think it's a little heavier one way or the other? It'll swing back in the rushing uh, department this year because that's the type of guy that the Kubik is. You know, I hadn't looked at that statistic. That really blows my mind because Southern Miss fans have felt in the last two years they have uh, under both Faulkner and Shannon Dawson they, that they threw to, uh, to set up the run. Kubik's going to run to set up the pass. So expect it to swing, I, I would I would say, maybe 55-45 or 60-40. Uh, he really wants to run the football, and he really wants to get it in a lot of people's hands and be creative with that. Um, that's what he did at Monroe. So it will be some balance, but I would expect maybe a 55-45 split. Luke, most important offensive player for Southern Miss? Obviously, it's Jack Abraham. Um, we saw what happened in the bowl game when he's out of the game. Saw what happened, um, you know, down the stretch when, when he wasn't, wasn't sharp with throwing the football, big interceptions. I, I would I'd say the most important, I would say unit. Uh, is going to be the offensive line. They feel really good about the offensive line. It's been the Achilles heel the last two or three years. This is the most veteran offensive line Jay Hopkins had. And uh, there's, there, there's been really good talk about the depth there. So I would say that that's more important than just one individual player. And, I mean, it's cliche, I know, the offensive line. But it's going to be particularly Marvin Fletcher moving from guard to tackle. What can the tackles do? So if we specify a unit within the offensive line, um, Fletcher's playing a new position. Trey Johnson, Cleek Washington covering that left tackle. So the tackles, I think, are going to be extremely important in the overall scheme of the offense. Quickly, same question, defensive side. Most important player for the Golden Eagles? Uh, a new guy, Avery Habas. Uh, he's a Juco transfer from Iowa uh, Western. Uh, played, uh, he's playing the wolf position, so he can, he'll be all around. He'll be down sometimes. He'll be up sometimes. Had over 100 tackles last year, 6'3", 230 kid, really fast off the edge. They have raved about him, and he's a, he's a guy that could disrupt both run and pass. So just remember that name, Avery Abbas, going in to – and I'll say one more, Kyle Hemby, 
three-year starter in the secondary. He's going to control that new bunch of guys back there. Do you think 9,000 people show up full 25% of, of what's allowed in the stadium on Thursday night? Late kick, 8 o'clock kick. You would hope so. I think the Thursday and the 8 o'clock combined, um, I'm hoping for 7,500 uh, to, to 8. I think there will be some people that don't come because of the late kick. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, just for some other reasons, I, I think some people uh, might stay away to it. You know, when you have older season ticket holders, you don't you don't know well, what's going to happen with that. All right, hold but on I think, now. If you're a Southern Miss fan, and you have tickets to this game, and you are not going, find someone and give them your tickets, or sell them your tickets, or True. do some, transfer your tickets. True. There are enough people that want to go to the start of college football that all 9,000 of those ought to be accounted for. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. Just trying to encourage. Not trying to denigrate, just our, trying to encourage. We've had our to-the-middle moments over the years, okay? I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> Can't wait to see you on Thursday. Thanks, Luke. Hi, right, guys. See you later. Sports Talk Mississippi. We will be right back. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky. And Brian Haydad, thanks for being with us. C Spire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. Question comes, are the Saints really trying to trade Kamara? Uh, Josiah Anderson, who covers the NFL, tweeted a little bit ago that the Saints are open to trading Kamara, and apparently the asking price is pretty darn steep. Talked yesterday about the fact that he wants to uh, fall somewhere in the neighborhood of Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey. Those two are separated by about $4 million a year. If it was dead center, he'd be at $14 million a year. And the Saints have already got pretty significant issues as it pertains to the salary cap on paper for next year. And that's before you couple in the fact that there's going to be less revenue this year And as a result, the salary cap is going to be lower than expected, not higher than anticipated. And to answer the question, are they trying to? No. Would they be willing to? Absolutely. And if if his agent and him are not coming down from like a $16 million a year number, it's tough. You got to let him walk. You, You can't spend that kind of money on a running back, especially one that's coming off of an injury, a lower leg injury, too. One that's kind of nagged him for a little while. I love Alvin Kamara. I love his game, but you still have to make all the dollars work in the NFL. So are are they trying to? Probably not. Is this a negotiation tactic? Probably so. But if they can't get Kamara and his agent to come down below McCaffrey and somebody offers a first-rounder for him, yes, sir. Thank you. Is another team going to be willing to sign him to a long-term deal that pays him in the twelve to fourteen million a year range? It's a great. Who is question. that team? Um, I mean, there's a, always a sucker out there, so probably. It's a really good question. Um, if I was Atlanta, I don't know if they have the money for it, but if I was Atlanta, I mean that that is a 
the type of dynamic playmaker that could make that offense go from really good to great. Why, why would you? Why would you do that? Why would? Just, why would you do that, Borky? Just putting on my. You, I mean, hat. I don't have a problem with him leaving, but we're not sending him to Atlanta. Come on now. Just, just putting on the the analyst no. hat here. No. What's the level of affection among Saints fans for Kamara? They adore him. I love him. Love him. He, he, he's, he's what Reggie been, Bush should have become. Yeah, he, he's kind of been just the right fit since the day he slept, stepped into black and gold. Yeah. And a guy that, you know, when they drafted him, I was just, you know, like, what are they doing? They don't need a running back. And that's why I don't run a, pr- a franchise. Well, little did you know that Butch Jones was actively keeping his best that's player true. on the sideline for it's two true. years. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. Those jokes kind of wrote themselves for the first couple of years in the NFL. Yeah, they're never going to stop writing themselves. I mean, that's why the guys, you know, washing Nick Saban's car and getting him coffee in the morning instead of coaching anymore. But <laughs> I've seen people suggest that, uh, well, they should get rid of Kamara and sign Fournette. No, they shouldn't do that either. Latavius Murray is. You didn't like that a minute ago in the break when I said Leonard Fournette. No, come I was like, on oh, down. That, no. See, I don't think they'd go that route anyway because they have a guy fit. that. Yeah, it wouldn't fit the offense. Latavius Murray already does those things. Granted, he's not as good as Fournette's potential. He doesn't potential. do them as well as Leonard Fournette. No, but he's cheaper, he's been to a Pro Bowl, he's effective, and he's the same guy. What they would need is to find one of those you know, hybrid running backs. Yeah. Which is the future of the NFL anyway. Derrick cool. Henry's an anomaly. Ceasefire text line: Are the Saints overpaying Taysom Hill? Well, it depends on not what they're they going to do with him long term. Yeah, if they believe for a fact that he's the quarterback of the future, yeah, they're not, they're not overpaying him at all. And even though they lost the game, he was the best player on the field in the wild card game. Best football player on the field that day was Taysom Hill. Yeah. Lucas and Union says, "What about the Seahawks going after Kamara? They oh bad need a running back. That's that's, that's a, a scary fit. proposition." In terms of adding to that offense, if I'm Russell Wilson, I'm in. I'm in my office today, guys. Go get him, please. You've got our best wide receiver on a rookie deal. You've done nothing for me on the offensive line, really. I've carried this team on my back. Go overpay for that running back, please. Help me. Another message on the text line. Just past the Southern Miss Equipment tractor trailer going down Highway 49 South, and man, that is a sharp-looking ride. Borky, was that you that put the uh, the pictures of all three equipment carrying trucks on the Twitter feed yesterday? Uh, that was gags, but um, nice they sharp. Thank you, Stephen Gagliano, for doing that. You saw the uh, the new rides for Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Southern Miss. All three of them look fantastic. Another question: Will the Southern Miss game be televised? Yes, it will. Sp- uh, CBS Sports Network, eight p.m. kickoff. Carter Blackburn and Aaron. What's his last name? Taylor. Taylor. Aaron Taylor. Thank you. Four o'clock hours next. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Tuesday afternoon, hour number two. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, thanks for being with us. Ceasefire text line. Open to you. Want to jump in and be part of the conversation? That is a great way to do it. A um, lot going on at Seaspire. 
You want more fast and less furious? Time to switch to C Spire Fiber and see what real Internet looks like. No data caps, no long-term contracts, no cancellation fees. Don't settle for slow speeds, lousy reliability, and bad customer service from the other guys. With C Spire, C Spire Fiber, you get gigabit speeds, over 99% reliability, and local 24-7 support, so nothing slows you down. See if C Spire is available in your area now at cspire.com slash fiber. We are glad to be with you this afternoon. First day of the month of September. I had a sad thought last night. Oh. Uh-huh. And that was... I was supposed to be getting on a plane to Houston, Texas in three days. Or four. That's all right, though. I know. I am calmed by the fact that we are within the month on the calendar in which it is all going to begin. I have a friend, I say a friend, a person that I know has, you know, been involved with the kind of the whole process of are they going to play? Are they not going to play? What are the guidelines going to be? Etc. And he and I have talked a few times throughout the last four or five months. And we've talked about percentages, likelihood. And a couple of months back, felt reasonably good about it. Back at a point where I was like 80, 90%, I'm like, man, we're going to play. We are going to play. And he was a little more reserved. He's like, yeah, probably 60%, 70% chance. And a couple of weeks after that, it was like, mm, I don't know. It's kind of a coin flip. And then I've told you, whatever that Friday was, I don't know how far, I guess about a month ago, that Friday afternoon where it just felt doom and gloom. And that was the weekend that preceded the Big Ten shutting it down, the Pac-12 shutting it down. And at that point, the percentage that this person gave was, I mean, we're going to try, but it's 20%, 20-80 in favor of not playing. That was a low point. You guys remember, I mean, we came on the air that Monday afterward, and the Big Ten hadn't made an announcement yet. The Pac-12 hadn't made an announcement yet. And I i mean, I was down in the dumps. Doom and gloom. And I didn't want to be that way. I wanted to remain optimistic, but it just felt like, man, this thing is not good. Fast forward a month. Here we are on the 1st of September, three and a half weeks later. And darn if this person didn't say to me, man, 80-20, and that's conservative. Now, nobody knows if we're going to play the entire season. We're going to start the year. We're starting three weeks from Saturday. Say it out loud for the folks in the back. Three weeks from Saturday, all 10 SEC, excuse me, all 14 SEC teams are scheduled all to play. All 10? What year is it? Yeah. 1991. Yeah. That would have been a... Accurate statement. 
Well, Vanderbilt had another opt-out today, so can we really count them? I, I don't know. Man. I feel bad for I, those guys, honestly. I mean, that's I four offensive uh, linemen that are out now. I interviewed Adam Sparks to preview Vanderbilt for the Thunder Lightning podcast on today's show, and nobody will ever accuse that guy of being a homer. Man, his preview was just – it was bleak. Joel and I were just sitting there looking at each other going like, man, that, that, never mind win a game, will they score? It was brutal. Man, I, I mean, I couldn't be any rosier. I, I mean, you want to say, you know, rose-colored glasses, whatever. I'm excited. I'm optimistic. Confident. I realize it could all come crashing down, but not only not only are things trending in the right direction in terms of the Southeastern Conference playing football, the numbers related to COVID are trending in the right direction. Seven-week rolling average, positivity across the entire United States. I mean, never mind what Kevin Warren tells you in a canned, inaccurate statement. Where he says, well, positivity rates are... Uh, shut up! They're down 35% over a seven-week rolling average. Hospitalization rates are down. Ventilator rates are down. ICU rates are down. Morbidity rates are down. And, oh, by the way, did you see what the CDC said yesterday? Did you see it? Out of the 185,000 deaths, 185,000 deaths in the United States, 6% of those people died as a result, a direct result, of COVID-19. 94% died with COVID-19. That 94% largely was made up of people that had two to three comorbidities, and this pushed them over the edge. In the same way, and I'm not belittling anything. We're just talking numbers here. In the same way that if you have a weakened immune system and you get pneumonia, you're more likely to die from it. If your body, I mean, if you're if you're recovering from cancer, if you, if you finished up a round of chemo and your immune system is crippled, and you get pneumonia, or you get the flu, or you get strep throat, family members are scared to death because your body doesn't have the same ability to fight off infection. And that's what has happened with COVID-19. If you have a weakened immune system, if you have a different comorbidity, if you are more likely to die than the average person already, and you get COVID-19, the likelihood of death goes way up. 94% of the 185,000 deaths, not according to me, not according to Michael Borky, not according to Brian Haydad, according to the CDC. And by the way, we cherry-pick when we want to believe what the CDC says. Like, when the CDC says whatever it is that fits your narrative, you're all about the CDC. But when the CDC releases information that doesn't go along with the national narrative that's being pushed, well, then we start talking about doctors who had dissenting opinions within the CDC and how difficult this is, how much of an internal struggle it is. Don't tell me it's not political. Don't tell me it's not political. 
6% of the 185,000 deaths, God rest every single one of their souls, died because of COVID-19. 94% died with COVID-19. I point all of that out to say we continue to move in the right direction. We're making progress. You got colleges all over the United States that brought students back. And guess what? The students they brought back, a larger percentage than we would have liked, are getting COVID 19. But guess what's not happening? The overwhelming majority of them are not going to the hospital. An even bigger majority of those are not getting into the ICU. An even bigger majority are not ending up on ventilators. And an even bigger majority yet are not dying. It's great news. Great news. Not telling you to stop wearing a mask. Not telling you to stop washing your hands. Not telling you to stop social distancing. Be aware. Let's keep doing the right things. But this thing is moving in the right direction. And I don't care what somebody on the news tells me anymore. I'm smart enough to look at the numbers and read them for myself. And so are you. So quit drinking up the load of crap that's being shoveled down your throat. Doesn't fit the narrative. Good news doesn't fit the narrative, especially not nine weeks from Election Day. No siree. We're playing college football in 25 days. Mississippi State, Ole Miss. Southern Miss, you're playing in, count them, two days. And UCA, you're playing your second game in five days. How's that possible? Post-game testing results for UCA, not a single positive, by the way. Hot dog! Take a timeout. We'll be right back. Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Great to be with you on this Tuesday afternoon. Interesting mix, by the way, on the uh, C Spire text line. I realize I might have gone off the rails just a touch. Sorry. Passionate. Not sorry. Passionate. The, uh, the mix was right down the middle of preach and move on. So... I love the move-on guy, as if this isn't the biggest story that's affected the genesis of this show for months. Well, and, and the thing is, what I was saying was not, oh, let's talk about politics. I mean, I know there's a political element to it, but there's a political element to almost everything that we do right now. And I'm coming at it from a sports angle. I want games. I want ball. I want football, and then I want basketball, and then I want baseball, and I want soccer. I want it all. I want it back. And I think we're trending toward getting it back. And for that, I am incredibly thankful, and hope you are too. Don't forget, you can text the show, ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. We got a television schedule for games in the Southeastern Conference. Not all of them, but about half of them, right? 
Did everybody get five games picked up, or is that just kind of what we've got in Mississippi? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't look in depth enough to tell you the answer to that. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games that CBS has the rights to, including Mississippi State against LSU to open the season on September 26th, 2.30 in Baton Rouge. Following weekend, Texas A&M at Alabama. Primetime game on October 17th, Georgia at Alabama. Halloween night, LSU at Auburn. I should say Halloween afternoon. Florida-Georgia cocktail party in Jacksonville on November 7th. Alabama-LSU, another night game. Not quite primetime, but 6 o'clock Eastern. So, Do you know what else are, is are happening ready? that weekend? Let's say, are, are you ready for Jim Nance to hand it off to the... Uh... To, uh, to Brad Nessler? So Brad Nessler. I've seen a lot of hand-wringing over this, but since this is going to be a November Masters, they're going to have to start the tournament earlier because the sun sets at 5.30, 5, 5.30. Yeah. So yeah. people are so mad. Oh, the game's at 6, but it's going to bleed into the Masters. No, it won't. You're forgetting when the sun sets in November. Yep. Just, and this just was negotiated. State... Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say this was negotiated. CBS can't just... Yeah. Yeah. On its own, say we want to move to six o'clock. I just saw CBS that, uh, and the State... SEC are in the process of negotiating out of that deal that ESPN ABC is going to get in the future. SEC just put a little extra coin in its stack. Yeah. I said, "Yeah, absolutely, we'll work with you on that." I just saw that State versus Texas A and M is a morning game the day of Georgia Alabama. So, yes, you like that? I like that. Not only can you be home in time, you can like be home and put something on the smoker in time. I'll have time. Yeah, I can get on the grill. We'll see how that goes. December 19th. Time to be determined. CBS SEC Championship game. Are they going to be more flexible with that date? I know, what, they're willing to push it back at least one week, right? But what happens if they have to do it two? Are they willing to do that as well, you think? I, I would th- I would think so. I would, I would think if... If they have to do it, they they you know because well, like we said before, it's not like the the stadium is going to tell the SEC no, you can't come. Well, that's but the happen. the hiccup could be the college football playoff. See, that's why I asked. Is it could be, but again, I think with, when you're just talking about the SEC, the Big Twelve, and the ACC, and it seems like there seems to be a a, a loose partnership. I think everything will work itself out. Yeah. So that was the slate of CBS games. So you do have Mississippi State in one appearance there. And that's the season opener. Ole Miss not announced. Doesn't mean they won't be on CBS at some point, but not in the initial release. And then we get uh, the week-by-week schedule in part. We don't have all of it. If a game was not picked up today by either ESPN, SEC Network, or CBS, then it will fall in the old 12-day-slash-6-day window. Right. Ole Miss, Florida, 11 o'clock Central on ESPN on opening weekend. Week number two, October 3rd. Ole Miss at Kentucky at 3 o'clock Central time on SEC Network. Arkansas at Mississippi State, 6.30 kickoff on SEC Network alternate channel. (laughs) Arkansas... 
is getting a game relegated to the alternate channel when it's only a conference-only schedule. Ooh. By the way, Vanderbilt got that in week number one. Vandy at Texas yeah. A&M. Oh, man, that's brutal. That, that slot's going to be there, I think, the entire year, if I had to guess. Alternate channel game. Uh, yeah. We skip October 10th. None of those games were picked for television yet. Saturday, October 17th, both Ole Miss at Arkansas and Texas A&M at Mississippi State will be part of a selection of games at 11, 2.30, and 3 on SEC Network, SEC Alternate, or some other ESPN platform. For the Four record, games I'm... total to choose from Ole Miss, Arkansas, A&M State, Auburn, South Carolina, Kentucky, Tennessee. For the record, I'm calling Georgia-Tennessee for the CBS game on October 10th. And Ole Miss at Arkansas will be on ESPN 8, the Ocho. <laughs> Florida-Texas A&M will be the ESPN primetime game that weekend. But it will have a delayed start because the Cornhole Championships have not yet ended. <laughs> <laughs> they, they better get the game in before the lawnmower racing that night, too. The Halloween slate of games. Ole Miss at Vanderbilt, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, SEC Network. That's what I think of on Halloween with Ole Miss. Yeah. An afternoon game in Nashville. There's, there's college football history right there. Mississippi State at Alabama, 6 o'clock. When the schedule was released, the number of bad jokes that were made about Mississippi State and Alabama by, not you, Brian Haydad, t- tap you on the back for that, but but a bunch of your colleagues about tricks and treats and sneaky surprises and blah, 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 blah. blah. Come on, man. Come on. Sometimes they're just better left unsaid. Should I go to the press box in costume? That's the only question I have. If you did, Probably what costume not. would you wear? I mean, doesn't a pirate sort of lend itself to this? But I don't know. I, I had thought I had honestly thought about this, and I guess I'll reveal it because we're not going to have a Halloween show. I was just going to come to the studio dressed as the Macho Man Randy Savage on uh, on Halloween, and just when the camera popped up, you would just see me and sort of go from there. But uh, were you going to snap into a Slim Jim? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I think something like that. I don't think you should go as a pirate. I think you should no, go I, as Tinkerbell. I don't know if they make that that little uh, green Free dress of my leotard. size. Uh, there's not enough green fabric at the store for that. Uh, <laughs> Mississippi State hosting Vandy Saturday, November 7th. That is Ole Miss's open date. 3 o'clock, SEC Network. Of the games announced today, not one night game for Ole Miss. And Mississippi State has, is it just one? Uh, no, they have uh, night? Alabama. No, Arkansas. Arkansas. Oh, yeah, on the uh, on the Ocho. Yeah. By the way, I'm not making fun of the Ocho. The only football game that I have had the opportunity to broadcast was on the SEC alternate channel. And while I realize it is not a big deal to most people, it was a big darn deal to me on that day. So I'm not really making fun of the Ocho or the alternate channel. But I don't know, Borky. I'm kind of with you. It's like ESPN's got a bunch of time slots on a bunch of different networks, and you've only got three leagues that are playing football. Yeah, there's no Big Ten. 
And Fox is going to have a bunch of Big 12 games? Can you not avoid doing the alternate channel? I, I wonder if the alternate channel's now more accessible. Because I have it, but I don't have ESPN Classic. Um, and I have to pay extra for ESPNU, but I get the alternate channel. Just that's how it's worked out. I wonder if maybe it's even more accessible than their other platforms. You know who the biggest winner in this whole scheduling shuffle is in terms of TV? It's the American Conference. Yeah. They've the American some, some Conference spots. is going to have some really good time slots starting this coming weekend when Arkansas State and Memphis are on ESPN on a Saturday night. Not on a Tuesday night. Saturday night. And Luke Johnson texted me September 19th, USM Louisiana Tech on ESPN2. Got a message that said you should just dress nice. Then nobody would know who you were. <laughs> Zing! <laughs> Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, glad to be with you. Glad right now to go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Our good friend from C Spire, Jim Richmond. He is the vice president of marketing at C Spire, and that seems to entail a little bit more every time we visit with Jim. Uh, Jim, always great to visit with you. How are things going? Well, it's great. It's it's great to uh, to be back with you interviewing. It's been quite a while since I've uh, been on your show, and I appreciate you having me in. Uh, you know, we're good. It's it's crazy times, like it is for everybody in the COVID world, but uh, but really doing good. I mean, from a ceasefire standpoint, uh, business has been extremely strong. Obviously, when COVID hit, you know, it kind of uh, made everybody realize how important fiber. Uh, is at, at both their you know from from their home standpoint and so our our home uh, fiber is just boy it's just been skyrocketing to say the least and so uh, that's been really good so we're very thankful you know for for the business that we have and just uh, continuing to you know focus on trying to get everything uh, pushed out the door I mean from a sales standpoint it's it's been been really really strong we're dealing you know with a lot of things just like everybody else I mean we've got. Uh, you know, over 1,700 employees, and most of those are working from home. So mm. uh, we're uh, in, a, in a remote uh, working environment as well. And, of course, we've spent a lot of time, especially early on with COVID, from a business standpoint, uh, really teaching and, and helping businesses uh, to set their business up so their employees could work remotely, work from home with some products and services. So, um, you know, again, uh, as, as bad as things are uh, with COVID, uh, we're we're doing pretty good here at Seaspire. So, and, and Jim, we've talked about this in the past. You know, Seaspire has evolved so much as a company from you know being a a cell phone company uh, at kind of its core and its founding to involved in technology pretty much everywhere you turn, whether it's fiber or solutions for businesses or data storage. And one of the things that I know you and uh, the entire team at Seaspire have always been most proud about is it's a Mississippi company and has stayed true to its roots. But that doesn't mean you're not growing beyond the borders of Mississippi. Well, that, that's right. As a matter of fact, uh, I mean, again, I've been here, gosh, almost 30 years, which is, is a long time, and uh, was actually able to host our first virtual press conference uh, during COVID. We actually announced hmm. our uh, residential fiber expansion in several cities in Alabama uh, uh, earlier in uh, in June, and and with that we had to obviously do the press 
uh, conference uh, from a virtual environment, and it was successful. So, yeah, things are uh, definitely uh, different for us. But, uh, yeah, we've got, had a lot of growth uh, over the last couple of years with our business division in both uh, Alabama and Tennessee. And, um, you know, and, and are now, again, expanding our home division, our home residential fiber uh, in some select cities in, uh, in Alabama. So really excited about that. So you mentioned, or we were talking about three states. You mentioned Alabama and Tennessee. Obviously, Mississippi is home. I, I don't know if you know this or not, but football, college football in particular, kind of a big deal in these three states uh, that we're talking about. Um, a new partnership as well. So for uh, a company that recognizes just how big a deal college football is and has been involved in a really big way at uh, and in the, the college football landscape or footprint, you guys just decided to go out and, and bring a new team member on who might be the biggest name in college football. Well, uh, we did. You know, we have, uh, and, and as you're aware, we've been involved in college sports for a very long time. Uh, we've had relationships in Mississippi uh, with the universities for 27, 28 years now. And, uh, you know, college football season obviously was uh, moving forward, getting closer in COVID, and everybody's trying to figure out what was going on. And we just decided we need to stay uh, stay aggressive or get even more aggressive with that. So uh, not only are we continuing our relationship with the college football teams in, in Mississippi, uh, but we uh, are very uh, happy to announce that we've expanded that. And, uh, you know, from a SEC standpoint, we're going to be extremely strong. Uh, we've got a new relationships with Alabama, who I assume that is who you were referring to, uh, Tennessee as well, and Vanderbilt. And so we'll have, uh, you know, with college football on TV this fall, maybe smaller crowds in the stands, but college uh, football on TV will be extremely strong with the eyeballs uh, viewing, and they'll see our C Spire uh, branded headsets at five of the six uh, SEC teams in our footprint, which are really the, the SEC West, and uh, Auburn being the one uh, that we're we're not currently <clears throat> currently with. So, yeah, we're excited about that. And then, you know, continuing the relationships, we've got USM and uh, UAB and Birmingham. As a matter of fact, uh, those teams both not playing each other, but they're both playing Thursday night. That's right. Uh, should have pretty big uh, television audiences, obviously, and uh, will be on two of the four teams' uh, headsets. So we're excited about that as well. So, so I was talking about the team relationships, but also from a, a personnel standpoint, maybe the biggest voice in college football, Kirk Herbstreet, <laughs> now tied directly to Ceasefire. Yeah, that's that's a good one too. So yeah, we're we're expanding the relationships with the colleges from university uh, football standpoint. Uh, we also have had a relationship with Kirk Herbstreet uh, for a couple of years. We've hosted some entertainment events. Uh, for our business, some business customers in Birmingham and Nashville and, and, and here in Jackson and Mobile over the last couple of years. And we had planned to host some additional events this year, but obviously with COVID, that kind of changed those plans. And so our PR and, and marketing team got creative uh, in, in working through the relationship with Kirk and have developed a full-fledged uh, ceasefire business campaign for this fall. So, uh, in fact, we launched it today. And, uh, and I, you know, with the C-SPAR business division, again, those guys are those, that team 
uh, works with businesses, you know, selling fiber internet, voice over IP phone systems, cloud, IT managed services, a whole host of, of products and services. And, and we pulled uh, Herb Street in and created video and radio and other digital assets uh, for the campaign that will really run throughout the fall. So uh, we were able to record some pretty good things with him and uh, looking forward to uh, to getting that out in the marketplace. And we really feel like it will be a good, uh, again, brand uh, raise our brand awareness in, in like Tennessee and, and Alabama where we're not quite as well known as we are here in sure. our home state of Mississippi. So, yeah, we're really excited about that. I mean, obviously we have always invested uh, our PR and sports dollars uh, in, uh, in in sports. We, we really like that. We like to invest where people are passionate. And there is no doubt that, like you mentioned a few minutes ago, people are extremely passionate. So, uh, so yeah, we we feel good about uh, you know where we've been the last couple of months and uh, through COVID, and we feel you know really uh, blessed with with that. But at the same time, we're really excited about this fall and getting football season started. I know people uh, maybe certainly familiar with Kirk Herbstreet. You've had a chance to spend some one-on-one time with him. What's he like, uh, kind of away from the television cameras? You know, uh, we do like him. Uh, obviously, you know, when you see somebody like that on TV, he's going to say things at times, depending on what team you're rooting for. You know, you're either going to love him or you're not going to like him. As, as much. <laughs> but uh, but I will say he is uh, he's really a smart guy. He does his homework. You know, he's very well prepared, uh, obviously, prior to the game. Even when we do, we've done events with him before. He asks a lot of questions prior to the events. He really wants to, to know and be in the know so he can give good answers and, and uh, you know, just does his homework. He's uh, maybe has a little swagger about him. I mean, he's a former athlete, and, uh, and you know, we like that. I mean, he's, he's got confidence. And, again, I think that, that represents our, our brand uh, well, uh, too. So, again, good fit. Uh, and he's a good guy. I mean, he's a family guy, and, you know, you, you hear about all sorts of things from people, you know, all the time from a celebrity standpoint. But, uh you know he's uh, he's he's really serious about his, his kids and uh, and his family and, and likes his privacy when he can get that. So uh, so yeah, it's it's going to be a good good relationship. I know you're excited about it from a business standpoint, but you're also a college football fan, and uh, like just from a personal standpoint, you're pretty excited that it looks like we're going to make it. Yeah, I really am. Uh, you know, and I, and I think really and truly we, and I say we, just the people across, uh, well, really across the U.S., but in our area for sure, you know, we need football. We need something like that uh, to, to give us uh, something else to, to focus on. And obviously uh, a lot of health uh, questions still out there and will continue to be health questions, and we certainly want the games uh, and the fans to, to be able to uh, operate in a safe environment. But uh, we're we're definitely uh, you know pro football. Uh, we're uh, really excited about it, and uh, I think it'll be uh, I think it'll be good. And, and personally, yes, I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm ready to see some football. Looking forward to uh, watching USM on uh, Thursday uh, Thursday night and uh, getting SEC started a little bit later in the month. Well, we are marching to the uh, to the beat of the same drummer right there, Jim. Always appreciate your time. Uh, know it's been a busy time at Ceasefire. Uh, thankful for your continued uh, partnership with uh, with Sports Talk Mississippi, and look forward to seeing you soon, my friend. Well, look, appreciate it. Enjoy being with you. Thank you so much. That's Jim Richmond, Vice President of Marketing at Ceasefire. And I mean, I mean, how much did we talk about back in March and April and May, the Ceasefire Health app and the cutting edge technology that was there uh, that was helping 
route people to testing centers and do the pre-screenings and their partnership with UMMC. Uh, we've talked about the business services, the, the ability to work from home because of those fiber connections. C Spire, unbelievable partner with this show from the very beginning. And uh, glad to uh, glad to have that conversation with Jim this afternoon. And Kirk Herbstreet on the team. It kind of means we're all on the same team with Kirk Herbstreet now. I like it. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. Thanks for being with us. you got a Game 7 tonight in the NBA. Toronto and Boston are playing Game 2 of their second-round series. Boston won Game 1 fairly convincingly. A little better start today for the Raptors. They're up 15-9 early. But a Game 7 tonight on ABC, Utah and Denver, it has been the most entertaining series of the first round of the playoffs. And a big part of the reason is because there are two under-the-radar stars. I know some people tune out on the NBA, and that's fine. I'm not asking you to watch or whatever. There's two names that if you are anything less than a casual NBA fan, you're probably, eh, I don't know, don't know don't know who you're talking about, don't care. If you're a diehard NBA fan, you're all over this. And if you're casual, you're like, oh, yeah, but I didn't realize how good. Those two guys are Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell. And again, if you're like a real NBA fan, you're going, well, duh, Richard. Listen to what Jamal Murray's done in the playoffs for the Jazz. I'm sorry, against the Jazz for the Nuggets. 34 points a game through six games. In the last three games, 50, 42, and 50. And those last two performances, 42 and 50, were both with the season on the brink. Denver is trying to be the first team to come back from a 3-1 deficit since uh, 2016 Cleveland. Donovan Mitchell, to tell you how good he has been in terms of scoring at the rim, he's made 72% of his shots. Long two-point shots, which I guess would be, what, outside 15 feet? Yeah. 61%. And from behind the arc, he's shooting 57%. And Utah completely changed its defensive strategy in defending him, especially with regard to the pick and roll, they just abandoned it. They started switching on him constantly, which kind of kind of negated some of what Rudy Gobert does really, really well as a rim protector. He is he has changed the game big time for Denver, especially over the last couple. And then on the other side, Donovan Mitchell has really come close to matching Murray bucket for bucket. Borky, do you agree with my assessment that if you're locked into the NBA, you know all about these guys. If you're a casual fan, probably not so much. Yeah, and you've been waiting for Murray to be this guy for a while. Uh, the, the potential for this kind of explosion's always been there. This is kind of Donovan Mitchell's thing. This is just what he's done since he's... 
basically since he's entered the league. But Murray, you've always seen flashes of this kind of dominance, and it's just never really come out. And up until the bubble, he hasn't really been like a ball-dominant guy, like hasn't commanded the basketball and been that takeover player. And for some reason, being in Orlando has just switched, flipped the switch, and he is now playing to what you thought his potential was, and he's commanding the basketball. And it's not like he's scoring 50 points on insane volume. What was it the other night? He had 50 points on 25 shots. That's it. It's an efficient scoring output that you knew he was capable of, and this level of play is is not sustainable for anybody, but this is what he was always supposed to be. And I remember him at Kentucky, you know, seeing him. Uh, he played a game at Mississippi State, and I was like, good player, you know, good player. You know, he'll be able to do well at the next level. Didn't see this kind of uh, of talent level, this kind of ceiling for him, though. And obviously, like Porky said, not going to be a 50-point-a-game score, but knowing he's got it there in the locker, I, I didn't know that he had it there, and he's, he's really shown out these last few weeks. Yeah. So, if you haven't completely bailed on the NBA, that one probably going to be pretty entertaining tonight. Game seven, season ends for one of these two teams. Other team moves on. Seven thirty tip off on ABC. And then you got another game seven coming up that's going to be wildly entertaining. Which nobody would have predicted, by the way. We're talking about tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. OKC in Houston. If you remember, Houston gave up everything to get Russell Westbrook. Everything. Four draft picks. Four first-round picks to get Russell Westbrook. uh, Hopefully James Harden can be bothered to play the last few minutes this game. (laughs) And they're about to lose to him in the first round. You think OKC is going to win Game 7? The way they're playing right now? Chris Chris Paul was pretty good last night, wasn't he? Yeah, Cowherd... Pointed out earlier today, and he was so right. People are like, I guess they forgot how incredible Chris Paul has been always. Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook, that's a lot of petty on one court. I can't wait. Yeah. (laughs) College Football Fix is coming your way next. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Fast two hours on this Tuesday. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Thanks for being with us. Borky, Hey Dad, and Cross. That's the three of us. Ceasefire text line open to you 601 879 4395. 601 879 4395. Bull. There's a lot of it in wireless, but Ceasefire thinks you deserve a plan that's actually what it says. Here's the real deal. Best plan for one or two lines, $45 each with auto pay and paperless billing. No bull. Visit cspire.com. Time right now for the college football fix. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Check out the summer sales event. Coming quickly to a close. Don't miss your chance to say big on the full lineup of Ford SUVs, plus the best-selling truck in America, the Ford F-150. 43 years in a row, almost as long as Brian Haydad has been alive, Ford F-150 has been the best-selling truck in America. Doing something right. Both of you. Both, you. both Ford and, and you, Haydad. Just I, I try, you know. Year after year after year. 
huge props to someone who is working behind the scenes at the Mississippi Department of Transportation. (laughs) The MDOT interstate message boards, video boards, dot matrix boards, however we describe them, across the state of Mississippi today, specifically in the Jackson area, but some other places as well. You know, they always want you to pay attention. There's a, a nice little encouraging message to buckle up for safety, stay alive, don't text and drive. Today it was be like the Big Ten. Stay home and avoid gatherings. <laughs> That's good stuff. Ooh, that is good really quality good content. stuff. Sports Illustrated's National College Football page picked it up. So the Mississippi Department of Transportation took a swipe at the Big Ten in a message urging everyone to stay home this fall. That's not exactly what they were doing. MDOT shared an image on social media Tuesday morning showing a digital interstate sign near Jackson that pulled no punches. Be like the Big Ten. Stay home and avoid gatherings. Uh, Jenna West, the author of this story at Sports Illustrated, was so incredibly kind to point out College football, like the rest of the nation, is divided over how to respond to the coronavirus pandemic. Jeez. <sighs> Do you see the New York Times editorial? Just calm down, Richard. Just calm well, down. Since when a Sports Illustrated writer who's t- making a college football post turning it into a political statement? Since a particular person took office, but this conversation may be for a different day. Did you see the yeah, New York maybe. Times editorial board didn't put their names on it i'm sure you could look it up but just the editorial board wrote a a piece together i guess uh saying that college football is not essential and it should not be played if there's any evidence that the city of new york is the world's largest bubble it is that statement right there it really is something i swear people i i when i went to college Somebody in my dorm hall lived their entire life in New York City. And basically their parents City. basically their parents made him get out and go do something else. Hearing him talk, and he had some friends to come down and, and visit for the weekend, they think new the way New Yorkers live is how the rest of the world lives. Like he was mind blown at just the most basic things like neighborhoods. Hmm. Like how we have a neighborhood that is only houses, you know, and you have to leave your neighborhood to go get groceries or something. Completely foreign concept. You'd never heard of it before. A, there's a bubble in New York City where they think everybody lives like them, and that column's just another example. Also, their barbecue takes are horrendous. That. Hey, Dad, how did we lose Hey, Dad? He was about to come he strong, was about to on, come New York. strong on New York. Man. Can you go hear us, Hey, Dad? Jeez. He is showing remarkable patience and restraint. I think. Did I cut out? Yes, you did. You, did. you, you After Borky said they have awful barbecue takes, you went, that is the truest thing he's ever said on this show. Yeah. How would a legit Memphis Delta hole in the wall barbecue joint that transitions to New York City and opens a storefront due there. 
Would it kill it? Well, I mean, we, 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 we got to figure out how to do it. Yeah, I, I think it would kill it. There's, no, there's nothing really I can do on my end, by the way. No, um, I know. I understand that. I understand. Uh, I blame you, though, Borky. That's fine. Um, but, yeah, I think it would kill it because based on especially the article that went viral about New York City barbecue taking over the world, if that is what they view <laughs> good barbecue as, a legitimate, authentic barbecue place would go up there and wipe everything else out. They, they wouldn't even know what hit them. Hey, Dad, there, there are people, barbecue snobs, who like to talk down about a place like the Rendezvous because it's, you know, it's not hipster enough, or they say Corky's is too mainstream or something like that. Both of those right. are good barbecue. Maybe it's not your favorite, but they're good. They're good. They're good. A they're place not, like the Rendezvous in, like, I don't know, Hell's Kitchen or Soho in New York City uh, you would have be... To... You have to make a reservation. Yes. Yes. We may have to hang him up and uh, try again. Uh, a couple of other stories for the college football fix. It'd be even better if you didn't do reservations, though. Like if you actually made people line up and wait outside. Can you imagine the setup that the rendezvous has where through that big smokestack they pump smoke out into the alley off the rib pit? It's a master class in uh, marketing, also. No doubt. We talked about the ACC or the SEC announcing kickoff times earlier today. The ACC uh, did for some of their games as well. First ACC your game you're going to get. UAB is on the um is on the Thursday night circuit. They play this Thursday night at home. Next Thursday night, they go to Miami. Game is at uh, 8 o'clock on the ACC Network. I will watch every snap. On Saturday, September 12th, which is the first big Saturday in the ACC, Syracuse, North Carolina, Duke, Notre Dame is going to be on NBC. Georgia Tech at Florida State. Austin P is at Pittsburgh. Clemson at Wake Forest. That's the 7.30 p.m. ABC Saturday night game. Pittsburgh is just yet another reminder. In Pennsylvania, high school football is off and running already. Pittsburgh going to play next week. Both NFL teams are playing, but not Penn State. No, No fans at games, NFL games in Pennsylvania, or is that Philadelphia only? I have uh, Pittsburgh. I have not seen an update. I did see earlier today to to bring it back local. Uh, so the Saints will not have fans for the season opener against Tampa. They have submitted right. a plan to have fans for their next home game, Week Three, hosting the Packers. It won't be full by any means, but it might just be a one week thing for them. Well, and the fact that LSU is going to have fans, presumably, I don't. I still don't think we've gotten the attendance plan for LSU. This might be the hang-up. Why? It could be. Because the, the local government, and the, the city of New Orleans is involved in the Saints, but still local authorities are telling them that they can't have fans. So how are you going to have a team 40 miles up the road or whatever well, do it? But but remember, the NFL starts before True. college football does. Two and weeks. so what, two weeks from – is it two weeks from Thursday or a week from Thursday? It is a week from Thursday. Oh, yeah. So we're nine days away – from the season opener, 
So that is September the 10th. And then you'll have that first full weekend, Saints at home, nothing there. LSU doesn't play for another 13 days after that. I think you'll see fans in the stands at LSU and then fans in the stands at New Orleans' next home game. Probably worked out really well for LSU that the NFL's playing before the SEC is. Bet they appreciate that now. Yeah. No uh, no question about that. Um, Borky mentioned this earlier. This is a big deal. UCA played against Austin P on Saturday night in Montgomery. They traveled. They played tackle football. They traveled back home. They've got another game coming up Thursday night against UAB. UCA tested everybody on the football team after their season opener. Zero positive COVID tests after their first game of the season. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. We will be right back. Circling back to where we started earlier today, you got announcements from the entire SEC, but let's take a look at Ole Miss and Mississippi State. About half of the games uh, at this point have been slated for television. For Mississippi State, game number one against LSU, 2.30 on CBS. I mean, what a great spot. We'll see how the game goes. But what a great spot for Mississippi State to open the season. Hey, Dad. Mike Leach, national name. Everybody in college football knows him. Reigning national champions in Tiger Stadium Saturday afternoon, which is when you would rather play LSU. So much turnover. Obviously, Mississippi State's had a ton of turnover as well. I mean, it's not just LSU who had a lot of turnover. Mississippi State's got the same thing. But just a just a great showcase opportunity right out of the gate. Yeah, I mean, it, it literally is everything you could ask for if you're Mississippi State. A chance on a national stage against an LSU team that, and they're still more talented than Mississippi State top to bottom. But you know they're they're reeling a little bit. They've got they've got a lot of issues right now, and you're gonna catch them early before anybody's got any film on anybody else. I mean, it's just it, it's it's as good an opportunity. The, the 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 odds are as much in MSU's favor as they can possibly be. I am told that LSU will have fans at the opener. Yeah. Like, no ifs, ands, or buts. LSU will have fans for the season opener against Mississippi State. So maybe the biggest viewing audience of the season for Mississippi State in the season opener, perhaps the smallest viewing audience of the season in Week 2 <laughs> when they host <laughs> Arkansas on the SEC Network alternate channel. Yes. That will be, but, uh, be less people. Less people. Kind of like the odds of getting a win a little bit better in week two than you do in week one. Not to say that week one's off the table. By the way, we got a uh, we got a message earlier today on the ceasefire text line. I'll have to scroll back all the way and find it that said Mississippi State was going to beat LSU, Auburn, and Texas AM. Mark it down. Buddy. I love some optimism. I like the I love the confidence. I love the enthusiasm. See where it takes us. Good Lord. There is, it's so good to have that back. You want to talk about little things that remind you 
that football Blind season's optimism. here. Blind optimism is just another great thing that I didn't think we'd have for a while. Let's get it. Uh, it would be 8-2 on that schedule if that was correct. Yeah, it was Lynn. Here it was. He said, here's a prediction. LSU, A&M, and Auburn. Mississippi State beats all three. He did follow up by saying, got my road, uh, rose-colored glasses on. So State 10-0, and 0, so ready for it. Nothing wrong After with watching that. the Austin P game. <laughs> That's what did it, huh? Just seeing football is all you needed to get the uh, get everything oh, yeah. going again. Love get the juices going. We <laughs> will do a bold prediction show probably next week before the Ooh, yeah. the Power Three starts. The power Somebody, uh, we got a message here. Good news. You got somebody that's interested in heading down to the uh, sportsbook at Timeout Lounge, Pearl River Resort. It says state plus eighteen is a lock. May even sprinkle a little on the money line. I think LSU might stink. And I said it a couple weeks ago. I, I think the closer we get, the more likely it's true. So the quarterback play in in Central Arkansas and Austin P wasn't great, right? But that Central Arkansas Be careful, hey Dad's going to yell at you. The quarterback play was not good. I enjoyed the game. The quarterback play was was rough. But Central Arkansas's quarterback there for a time could, I mean, he could not have thrown the ball and hit the field if he wanted to. He felt like he was struggling that bad. Was a four thousand yard passer a year ago, almost. So with a guy that was that proficient. And had a handful of 300-plus yard games during the season, multiple touchdowns, didn't turn, it over, didn't turn it over that much, struggled the way he did. It made me think that you know, there's going to be a lot of factors going into this season that we haven't considered. And maybe there are some players that were more focused during quarantine than others. Maybe when guys were removed from the facility and from practice and oversight, maybe they didn't work as hard or, or didn't handle it as well or, or something like that. Going into this season, since there wasn't a spring and there wasn't a summer and fall camp was altered, maybe somebody, just throwing this out there, like Kyle Trask, who was really, really good a year ago, will not come into week one as polished as he was last year because maybe he had to quarantine for a while and then didn't really work as hard. That kind of stuff that that we haven't considered. I thought about that watching UCA play because they kept referencing how good this quarterback was last year and he was not good at all on Saturday night. Well, you got to wonder now if is that going to be the case throughout? You know, defense is always supposed to be ahead of offense. I mean, we talk about state and LSU, and LSU so prolific last year. We know what Mike Leach is. We're looking at a 17 13 MSU LSU game. I don't know. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see, like you said, who, who, who really took advantage of the time off and, 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 and train and who didn't uh, for, for both teams. My guess is that Vegas will set the over-under at more than 30. I would imagine, yeah. <laughs> Just thinking By the way, loud. we had a great mailbag question. Borky, are you ready for this? You're going to love this question. So the guy asked, what if this LSU stuff isn't COVID-related, it's not performance-related, what if it's NCAA-related? What if the NCAA is saying, ah, there, we're coming for those guys, they're going to be ineligible anyway? Look at Borky's face if you're watching right now. Look at his face like a kid at Christmas. It's I wonder when somebody was going to bring that up. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. I like Can you imagine? It. Yeah, oh, yeah. As conspiracy theories go, that's a good one. Turn yeah. over your cell phone or declare for the draft early. Pick one. Yeah. 
Uh, see ya. <laughs> Respect my decision at that point. Uh, so I guess what the the remainder of the Mississippi State games that have been chosen at this point for television, Texas A and M will be at either 11 a.m., 2.30, or 3 o'clock on either the SEC Network, the alternate channel, or some other ESPN platform. Thanks for yeah. narrowing that down for us. Yeah, it's only one of eight channels to pick from. Great. Halloween night at Alabama, 6 o'clock on ESPN, November 7th against Vanderbilt, 3 o'clock SEC Network. So those are the game times for uh, Mississippi State. Ole Miss, here's what we've got so far. Season opener against Florida, 11 o'clock. On ESPN, I mentioned earlier that Ole Miss has a history of success against Florida when kicking off at 11 a.m., both in Oxford and in Gainesville, for what it's worth. Uh, Week two for Ole Miss at Kentucky, 3 o'clock game on the SEC Network. On October 17th, week four, same thing as Mississippi State, 11 or 2.30 or 3 on SEC Network, the alternate channel, or an alternate ESPN platform. Uh, Let's see, Vanderbilt, Halloween afternoon, 3 o'clock SEC Network. So those are the only four right now that we know for sure. Don't have an Egg Bowl kickoff time. So we don't know when Ole Miss will play Alabama on October 10th. I would assume that that's one where CBS will be hanging out and watching, although you did say you think Georgia-Tennessee gets the CBS slot Makes sense. on October 10th. I got the, the schedule right here, and that, that's the best game in my opinion. Georgia should be undefeated. Uh, Tennessee should be undefeated. So, yeah. that turns out to be the case, then you would think ESPN 6 o'clock would be highly likely. Yeah. If for no other reason, because you get the Lane Kiff, Kiffin, Nick Saban storyline. Let's see, what else? you got Florida A&M that day. That's a big one. Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky, Mississippi State, Missouri, LSU. That's like, ooh. What if LSU's first two home games were both not at night? We know their game against Mississippi State is not at night. What if Missouri also was a day game? Ooh. Um... Anything else that really stands out that day? Auburn, Arkansas, nah. Yeah, I would think that Ole Miss, Alabama would be a night game. Ole Miss, Auburn, October 24th. No TV time for that one. And then same for the last four games of the regular season. South Carolina on November 14th. At A&M on November 21st. Mississippi State, Saturday after Thanksgiving, November 28th. And then they'll close it out at LSU on December 5th. Ole Miss at LSU December 5th has SEC Network Saturday night game written all over it. Sports Talk Mississippi, half an hour left with you on this Tuesday. We'll be right back. Take your time and I'll be waiting. Keep me in mind. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. A couple segments left with you on this Tuesday. Um, 
The NFL. Porky, we've talked about false positives in the NFL. We had that story a couple of weeks ago, didn't get a lot of traction nationally because, well, you know why. 77 false positives sent to a lab in New Jersey. They had a contamination issue. The NFL and the NFLPA have tweaked their COVID-19 protocols to minimize the chance that an individual could miss a game because of a false positive. That's according to a memo that was distributed to teams yesterday. An initial positive test will continue to be followed by two more tests. A nasal swab to be assessed in a lab as well as a point-of-care test. Players, coaches, and other staff members whose initial test results are positive must still isolate from the team while awaiting the additional test results, but now they can be cleared on the same day if both test results immediately come back negative. Prior to this ruling, or this change, I guess, the individual is required to isolate the team for from the team for at least 24 hours. And that time frame grew, drew criticism a week ago after the bioreference story in New Jersey when they had 77 false, false positives, as I mentioned just a second ago, from false 11 false. different teams. Yes, thank you, false positives. If that happened during the regular season, none of the players involved would have had enough time to clear isolation before a typical Sunday afternoon kickoff. That happened on a Saturday night. This is smart. It gives you the opportunity to test your way out of a false positive. That is something that is currently not in place for college football, specifically for the SEC. As it stands right now, at least as I understand it, you test positive, you can't test your way out. And Borky, that's been one of the criticisms you've had you've had of the SEC's policy since day one. Yeah, it doesn't make much sense. And uh, apparently, Lane Kiffin talked about it uh, today. Hopefully, we'll have that audio for you tomorrow about the, how they're kind of having to scramble. He said at, at one point uh, during practice, his uh, injury report or his health report looked like a menu or a phone book is the word he used. There were so many names on it because one player test positive, and everybody that's been near him also has to go into quarantine. And on top of that, it's a 14-day mandatory quarantine, and then you have to test negative after the 14 days are up. Yeah. And if you're not getting the test result right away, it could keep you out another couple of days. That that policy, I understand why they made it at the time, but now that not only do we have access to much cheaper and much faster testing, I mean, on a nationwide level, and we're going to continue to get more of it. Understanding now that that policy is is dated and um, unnecessary, hopefully by the time the season starts, some common sense can prevail, and we're not keeping kids out two full games for being near somebody who has it without giving them the opportunity days later to test out of that quarantine. We'll see if um, if that policy is amended by the SEC. It would make sense. It really would. So we'll see. You know, one of the um, one of the terms that is ever present in the college football landscape is bowl eligibility. Can you get bowl eligible? Did you get to six wins? Did you have a high enough APR if there weren't enough teams to cover bowl slots 
to be able to play. The bowl season, as we know it, is in complete flux right now. But there are some people that are saying the idea of bowl eligibility, at least for this year, may just be thrown out the window because as it stands right now, you have 82 bowl berths available and only 76 teams that are still competing. And of the 42 bowl games that are out there, I think at this point there's only one that has completely canceled. Now, full disclosure here, this article was at The Athletic. I have I had a little fraud issue with my debit card, and so my subscription has lapsed because I haven't updated the payment information. So, Borky, I don't have the rest of the story in front of me. But given this weird season, if bowl games are played... They may not have to they may not have to fill based on the way they filled in the past. Yeah. It would be a one year difference basically to allow if and that's the thing, the individual games are gonna have to decide whether or not they even want to put themselves on. So that may uh shrink the inventory of bowl games some if some sure. like the ones in California that are not the Rose Bowl. If they just decide, you know what, it's too much. It, the, the state is way behind as far as reopening than everybody else. We're not going to do it. That'll shrink the inventory some. But yeah, basically, you could have a three and seven football team in the SEC make a bowl game because somebody, be it the Liberty Bowl or whoever, just needs two teams. They want to put the game on. They think it's safe, and the tie-ins are gone because of conferences not playing. And so, hey, three and seven Missouri, come on down to Memphis for the weekend. We'll give your players a bunch of cool stuff. Gonna be tough to fire Will Muschamp after a bowl game. I'll tell you that. Three and seven, they're gonna get in. <laughs> Man, nobody's getting fired this year. It, no, Texas. That, that's a true story. Texas is furloughing people, cutting jobs, and cutting budgets. Texas, with all the money in the world, they're being hit by this. But even with all the money in the world, the the college athletics model is based on spending everything you've got, not keeping a lot in reserves in the name of protecting the, we're a nonprofit, we're not a, you know, we can't pay the players, don't have the money to do that, among other reasons. The incessant race to have a facility that is slightly better than your rival, all of those things factor in. But even at a place like Texas, who has, you know, annually either the first or second or third largest budget in all of college athletics, they're going to get crushed because 101,000 seat DKR is going to operate at 25%, maybe 50% at some point. And there's so much revenue tied to that. Got somebody already on here, Richard, from the 901. We have too many bowls as is. Be quiet. There's never enough college football. Never. Only bowl game canceled so far, San Francisco Bowl, the uh, Red Box Bowl. Which is still a thing, as I learned relatively recently. What, Red Box? Red Box Bowl, yeah. just Red Box. Red Box. It's still just a thing, yeah. The concept of it. Yeah. Um, uh, but That'll be the Netflix Bowl before long, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> 
Man, remember when Blockbuster decided not to get into that game? Ooh, what a mistake that was. It's like the guy that everybody always references that sold his shares in Apple for yeah. like $700 way back in the day, and the value of that stock would That's be billions some all-time today. mistakes there. Yeah. Yeah. Apple split yesterday for the fifth time in company history. He had two big, big announcements. in this. Well, I mean, they were already announced. They actually happened yesterday. Both Tesla and Apple split. Uh, Tesla was a five-for-one split, and I think Apple was a four-for-one split. So share prices went down, but if you wanted to get in that game and you're convinced the stock market only goes up, which based on history since the Great Depression is true, doesn't always go up every year, but historically it always goes up. Um. Anyway, do you see the technology that Tesla's working on? By the way, battery battery related or other it, wise, it's a device. I know. Hear me out. It's a device that would get implanted into your head that they claim can help fix paralysis. So if somebody is paralyzed, say from the waist down. They're, they're working on and are testing a device that can get drilled into your head that can fix your paralysis. Now, mm. the drill into the head thing is kind of scary that this company is going to put something inside of you, but that is what they're working on right now. It's crazy. That stuff you still you playing around with Robin Hood, o- Borky? I am, yeah. Heavily invested in esports, and heavily invested for me is different for most people, but yeah. Keeps going I, I up. finally... Players. Say what? He's got six shares. <laughs> Less. <laughs> Fewer than that. But it keeps going up. I, I have now diversified down to three stocks. Nice. And it has been amazing. I have 1.6 shares of Apple, 0.05 shares of Amazon, and seven-tenths <laughs> of a share of Tesla. It's going up. Hey, making money. Got rid of the Ford and the Twitter and the Disney and whatnot. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.